Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So good to have you tuning in tonight. Eskimos game coming up Sunday afternoon. It's right here on Chet. 12.30 countdown to kickoff. Game at 2. Eskimos hosting the BC Lions in their first of two preseason games. They will not have to wait long for their next one. It is next Friday the 31st when the Eskimos go to Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers. 780-496-0063 is the open line number. You can also text 630-630. The email is inside sports at 630ched.com. The Blue Jays in action tonight, trailing Boston 3-1. That game is in the top of the seventh. The Edmonton Stingers from the Canadian Elite Basketball League have a home game on Friday. They'll be taking on the Guelph Nighthawks. The Stingers are 1-2, and two, Guelph coming in at 2-1. and one. Jordan Baker from the Stingers will join us in about half an hour. Oh, we may have a little ticket giveaway coming up there too, so keep listening for that. Uh, Olivier Rodrigue, Edmonton Oilers draft pick from last summer, has been signed to a three-year entry-level contract, 18 years of age. He's been playing in the QMJHL with Drummondville, 48 games this past season, 35-12 and 12 with a 9.02 save percentage. They were eliminated in the uh, third round of the playoffs by uh, Halifax, who are playing tonight at the Memorial Cup. So Olivier Rodrigue signs his entry-level contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Dave texting 630-630. Sure does sound like Dave Tippett has the Oilers job already. I think that would be great for the team. We'd need an experienced guy for sure. Uh, another texter, Fitzgerald, says, uh, Hey, Reed, I'm kind of sick of the NHL recycling the same old coaches. Vino Tippett hired this summer. Well, I guess in Tippett's case, uh, likely to be hired. But he says, Vino Tippett hired this summer pretty hard for new blood to break in. Uh, yeah, it, it can be. It can be. Uh, I mean, we've had some new coaches. Uh, what, uh, Montgomery in Dallas came from the NCAA. Quinn in uh, for the Rangers came from the NCAA. But sure, coaches do get recycled. Uh, I mean, even Peter DeBoer. Is DeBoer on his fifth team already? Or Sorry, not fifth team. Fourth? No, third. He'd be on his third team. DeBoer coached Florida, coached New Jersey. Now he's coaching San Jose. Uh, Todd McClellan's going to be joining his, has joined his third team. He was hired by L.A. Uh, what's Vino up to now? Canucks, Rangers. Is this going to be Vino's sixth NHL team he's been the head coach of? No, fifth. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. Uh, Vigneault coached Montreal, right? St. Louis, Vancouver, Rangers, and now Philly. He didn't coach Boston, did he? Kellen, do you remember? 
I don't. I'm quickly looking it up because I'm getting things jumbled around because there's been a few guys who have coached. Uh, no, he did not. Oh, he didn't coach St. Louis. Why did I think he coached St. Louis? Maybe he was an assistant there. Montreal, Vancouver, Rangers, and now Philly for Vino. So anyway, I, I mean, you got several guys who have coached 10% or more of the league during their time. If Dave Tippett joins the Oilers, that would be his third head coaching job in the NHL. Several comments on the text line coming in after we briefly discussed an intimacy coordinator being employed on the set of the uh, latest James Bond movie. This texter says, I need an intimacy coordinator like Wilt Chamberlain needed Viagra. Signed, Bond. James Bond. Well, it's nice of Mr. Bond to uh, text the show. John says, uh, hey, Bob Nicholson, 2007 called. They want their coach and GM back. (laughs) Uh, That's a good one. And Jason says, hey, Reed, should we be concerned about the trousers the new coach wears? And can you stop the mouse scrolling noise? Well, I can try, but I do scroll the mouse to look at stuff on the Internet. Plus, so you got to be listening to us on like a headphone set or something like that to pick that up. <laughs> Is it that loud? I can't, I can't, I can't hear it in here at all. So. Well, Jason's got sharp ears. There Nothing we go. wrong with that. Uh, I'll try, Jason, but I make no promises. I don't, I don't get the trouser joke. Does he just want to use the word trouser? It's a good word. Don't get me wrong. All right. You can text 63630 whether you want to talk about trousers, intimacy, or hockey. We had a nice uh, mixture of them there for sure. We will have game one of the Stanley Cup final at 6 o'clock on Monday between uh, Boston and St. Louis. Early third period at the Memorial Cup. It is Halifax leading Rowan Naranda. That is uh, 3-2. They just started the third period five seconds in. Okay. The Edmonton Eskimos training camp continuing today. Oh, another fight. I was talking to Morley, Morley and Dave. Uh, well, Morley or Dave, Dave called it a slap fest on Monday. More of a fight yesterday and today. It was a defensive back Godfrey on Yeka and offensive lineman Colin Kelly getting into it. Both men ejected from practice by head coach Jason Moss. It's pretty common to have fights in in training camp but i I still like talking about it because that's kind of gossipy Ooh, there was a fight at training camp though it does happen all the time but this was the first day that they wore pads and uh, head coach jason moss says that does indeed change the pace of practice well i think i think everybody gets excited and we talked about it last night you know if you add the five practices to the season you know you're like 23 games if you if you approach every pad a day like that so i think you know when we talk that way i think it perks everybody's ears up how important those padded practices are we need to get a lot out of them and um you know we can finally finish blocks and hit people and all those things for the first time and yeah i think guys are are excited about it how excited they're going to be two or three days from now maybe not but you know the first time doing it in a while you're always excited but for you it's probably the better evaluation because it's football there's no question i woke up this morning very excited i mean we, you fi- kind of get a barometer of where what your team's going to be like based on the physicality they they possess and show and you know you can talk about it all you want it's just a matter of coming out here and seeing it and you know i did see it it's just a matter of evaluating it more on film all right, so they're wearing the pads, getting ready to go against BC on Sunday. 
a lot of changes for the Eskimos in the offseason. New quarterback, new big offensive lineman, Sir Vincent Rogers. They got Ellingson as a receiver, Devaris Daniels, uh, Ricky Collins Jr. So a lot of new faces, a lot of new faces in key positions. While they earlier this week they brought somebody back at a very key position. Though this has not looked like a key... Well, let me put it this way. It's a key position. It hasn't been an impact position for your Edmonton Eskimos for quite a long time. Kellen, you're a huge Eskimos fan. Yes. We watch all the games. Mm -hmm. When was the last time the Eskimos had extended success from a kick and or punt returner? Do we have to go back to Gizmo in his prime? Sure. We've had bursts of good returners. I can think of Tony Tompkins in 2005, Mm -hmm. ran a kickoff back for a touchdown in that great cup game against Montreal with the Eskimos ultimately won in overtime. Tristan Jackson had some flashes. Uh, Kendall. Kendall. Kendall Lawrence was, I mean, he's the last guy to return a punt. Right. Right. So, but when was the last time you went into a season saying the Eskimos have a guy who's been a good kick returner for a year or two, and he's probably going to be good for another year or two. I mean, I'm not talking about seven or eight years career, uh, seven or eight year careers in pro football. You don't get a lot of those. But yeah. the Eskimos haven't even had a three or four year run where you can say in, a, in an eight or nine team league where they've had a top two or three kick return game. Gosh, if like you're thinking that, about they that, haven't. probably 96 then, I would say. With it's been a long time. It's 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 been a long time since they've they've found a guy. They've they've kept a good returner, and he's been an been an excellent or very good returner for an extended period. Where you go into a season saying this isn't a question mark, and maybe when you haven't been going into a season saying this is a strength for the team. So as you remember last year, Kellen, they traded for Martise Jackson, right, from the Toronto Argos, and he was okay. And they tried to get him the ball on offense a little bit. He he was okay. Now they've made the coaching change on special teams. Former linebacker AJ Gass is now the special teams coordinator. And Martise Jackson, who who waited to sign a deal through the CBA negotiations, was brought back earlier this week. So once again, he's the guy. And he had some flashes of brilliance with the Argos. But I still go into this season saying the return game for the Eskimos is not a strength. And I still go in saying it is a question mark. Dave Campbell spoke with Martise Jackson. Wait until everything gets settled and cleared and just, you know, figuring out what was the best, you know, situation for me. That's mm-hmm. really what the process was. And, you know, this was the best situation Edmonton. What do you, what'd you like about the coaching staff? I know it's it's a bit different. Uh, the GM's the same in Brock Sunderland. Um, there's a lot of new here, as you've seen. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot different compared to the last time you stepped on the field. But uh, ultimately, what, what sold you on coming back to Edmonton? Um, just the passion, the camaraderie, um, the, you know, the team. You know, just, you know, being here when I got traded last year, you know, it just left a good taste in my mouth. So, you know, I felt like this was the best place for me. Yeah. Yep. Now you got a full training camp or yep. close to a full training camp. We'll just round up and say you're going to get a full training <laughs> camp. That has to be a huge deal for you. Oh, that's a big event. That was my main thing, you know, hurrying up and getting in, in training camp because, you know, that's a, a main focus and the main part of the team coming together, you know, working together, pushing through training camp. That's a that's a big part of, you know, team growing together and coming together. So what do you make of the new look Eskimos? Hey man, let's get it, man. I'm I'm ready to go, go out here and win some games and, and give it give it my all.
is it kind of you know is it kind of shocking to you or I don't know what the right word is but when you look out in the field compared to the last time you go wow there's a lot of new faces here <laughs> yeah yeah it is you know you know I mean kind of used to it my going into my third year you know but it, it is you know shocking like ah oh, man new faces but it's it's I feel like it's a good thing, you know, it's a new start, everybody comes together, we're on the same page, and everybody's just trying to, you know, uh, be at their best and win games, that's the main thing. I, I don't know how much, I mean, there's a lot of new here with the, even your special teams coordinator, mm-hmm. and AJ Gass, someone who, no special teams played here, yep. um, and, you know, talked to him yesterday, and he says, I have keys for returners, and if you follow these keys, you're going to get, you're going you're gonna to get your lanes. Uh, What's your first impressions about AJ? Um, I think, you know, he's he's right on that. You, I mean, that's anything. You have to, you know, go with the game plan. And, and if you execute the game plan, I think you have success. As far as him, you know, I think he, he, he was, you know, a, a player here. So mm-hmm. I think he's real passionate about, you know, special teams and this team. So, I mean, that says a lot, being a former player, being, you know, playing special teams and blocking for, um, you know, returners and stuff like that. Gizmo, to be exact, you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, he has a lot of passion about it, and, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Exciting opportunity for a returner because you could probably get a chance to play in the offense, too, and you did a little bit last year. So how much do you look forward to, to, to that part of the – that part of the game when, you know, if you're a returner, you're going to see some time on offense. Oh, yeah, I look part of that. You know, that's a big part of the game, me coming in on offense and helping out the team and and giving the other team different looks and just, you know, changing it up and, and, you know, just going out there and giving it my all and, you know, putting us in the best position to to score points and and, and win games. That's That's the main thing. But hey, primary job, get your team good field position. Get your offense good field position. Right. You got that right, man. You know, got a got a special teams is, is real important. I feel like, you know, um, you know, when you got a good special teams and you can flip the field and mm-hmm. you can, you know, hold people, you know, down on the other side of the field. I mean, it, that it makes a big difference. You know, what I'm saying? a lot of people focus on the, the the explosive returns. Of course, the touchdowns, the over thirty, the over forty. But for for you, what's what's the definition of a quality return? Um, not hesitating, um, getting forward, not you know stuttering your feet and slowing down, but just seeing that seam and, and hitting it and getting you know twelve to fifteen yards. You know, is a good return to me. A little bit there for Martise Jackson, kick returner for the Edmonton Eskimos. Well, if they could get 12 to 15 yards per return, that would uh, b- b- double what they what they usually get. That's going to be a key position, and, and it has one that has cost the Eskimos in recent seasons. They they often did not win the return game. And, and I thought last year they had pretty good punting from Hugh O'Neill. Sean White's been a good place kicker ever since he joined the team, but the return game has been lacking. I guess maybe some days you could say the Eskimos might have won the special teams battle overall because of their kickers, but a lot of nights it it was probably a tie at best, and that's because they simply got out-returned. So something to follow for sure. It is 7-19 Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Hey, Bermuda boy texting in tonight. From Halifax on the Memorial Cup, he says he wanted to reach out, give the organizing committee credit for putting on a great event. Go Mooseheads. Bermuda boy, a longtime texter to this show. And he uh, we has brought him in studio, a very interesting guy uh, who did live in Bermuda for a while, hence the handle on the text line. 
Kellen, man, a lot of interesting stuff today. Did you see this story from our friends in Global Saskatoon? Mm. What, did, what do you have? You obviously haven't seen it. I have because not. No. If you had, you would be like, oh, I know what you're going to bring up here, buddy. I'm just going to read from this story written by uh, Kyle Benning at, in Saskatoon. Cleaning crews are busy at work cleaning an es- or clearing an estimated 400 tons of pigeon waste off a bridge in Saskatoon. The cleanup is part of the City of Saskatoon's restoration project for the bridge. It's predicting it will cost approximately $640,000 to dispose of the feces. Some of it's sitting there since the bridge was first completed in the 1960s. Well, you've heard about being as old as dirt. How about as old as... There are three dozen cavities sitting beneath the bridge deck, which has become home to 1,500 pigeons. And the city said there are about five decades of excrement in those cavities. All of the extra weight, which the city said works out to 230 mid-sized vehicles, could compromise the bridge's structure, even creating cracks on the bridge. Hey, uh... Saskatoon, didn't you guys have a bridge collapse there a few years ago? What happened? Oh, just the accumulation of pigeon crap. No big deal. So would you consider that a crappy summer job for somebody? Well, the the headline on globalnews.ca, holy crap, Saskatoon spending 640K cleaning bridge of pigeon poop like you you can't make that up like that's one you would expect to see in the onion but it's it's real saskatoon beautiful community by the way can you imagine when that item was brought up in the council meeting to look on the mayor and all the councillors' faces it's like we gotta spend that much money on what well you gotta do it i guess you're gonna restore the bridge well let's see what should we get off the bridge first eh, probably the poop be a good idea uh, yeah, that's a, that, that's a lot of pigeon poop. Hey, good for them, though. Uh, this t- <laughs> we actually have someone asking which bridge it is on the text line. Is it the Gordie Howe Bridge? Well, I didn't give the name of the bridge because I didn't think it would mean much to people in Edmonton, but it, apparently it does. And, of course, we have a lot of transplanted uh, Saska, Sask, Saskatchewanites. Rider fans. Uh, it is the Sid Buckwald Bridge in Saskatoon. Okay which is covered in pigeon poop. All right. Anyway, uh, back to our Eskimos report for the day. One of the big stories going into training camp, the CBA negotiations, was it going to get done? Of course, there was uh, a little bit of uh, shenanigans attempted by the owners last minute with the deal with the CBA. Everything straightened out. Ryan King, the Eskimos player rep, is now it's all been ratified. Oh, it feels good. It was good to come into the stadium today and be able to give our team uh, and the members uh, some good news. Uh, we've been kind of patiently waiting for especially the last couple of days with uh, pads today being uh, the first time on. So guys uh, wanted to be under the new health coverage and... Um, the, uh, the PA uh, and the bargaining committee pushed it to get it done for this morning, and we uh, were able to announce to the membership today it's done, it's over with, and uh, we can get back to playing football again. How would you characterize this deal? What is it going to do for the players? 
I think the biggest thing from from this deal is is we learned a tremendous amount from top down uh, how to how to organize our our, our union from a professional perspective, how to put the best people on the table bargaining that are going to represent the membership, um, and just you know we we educated our entire uh, our entire membership from from the very beginning on the process, uh, all the steps that we have to take for for this to go as smooth as possible. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a bunch of hiccups during uh, you know negotiations and and lots of things like that, but uh, we you know we were prepared for it and. We are most definitely stronger than we were before. Is it a deal that you were characterized? I mean, the cap isn't going up very much from, I haven't seen the whole details, but just, you know, from what's been out there. Is this a deal that, to set up this union for the future as far as the benefits and 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 getting the uh, players more tied into revenue sharing? Yeah, I think you look at this as uh, somewhat of an intern CBA. You know, it's a three-year deal, so it's a little shorter shorter than uh, than usual. But, uh, you know, this is, uh, health care for the membership was, was, a, was a huge key point in, in regards to this. Uh, partnering with the league and, and examples of revenue sharing and some other ideas that are that are in the CBA, those are huge wins for us. You know, we, we moved away from revenue sharing in 2010, and uh, we're excited to get back on on that side of the the game, which shows that the league's willing to partner with us. And uh, you know, we want to see the game grow as much as the league does, as much as the fans do. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing in CFL 2.0 and our global membership, that's obviously something that we're really excited for. And uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's a win for for both sides, really, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, but it, for, from a union perspective. Uh, from our side, um, you know, we've grown uh, grown a lot since the, the beginning to the end of this, and uh, we're excited to get back on the bargaining table. Yeah, the, the, the criticism of past unions, it seems like, it seems to come from the American players that they feel left out, and that it's Canadians running the union. It seems that that has changed, and it seems like from five years ago that's when it kind of started can you just maybe clarify that and just uh, you know in, including everybody in that union so they have a voice yeah and, and that's a key key role of the player reps bargaining committees to equally represent both sides of the membership uh, 2014 our last cba uh, we put a mandate in that we were going to have uh, mandatory americans as reps mm-hmm. and as well on the bargaining committee to make sure and uh, both sides of the membership are, are being represented and that's uh, extremely important when it comes to uh, cba year is to have have, uh, both sides of the membership and our global feel like their their voices are being heard. Um, you know, we changed some tactics this year from uh, from our side, and, and you know, we pulled the membership a lot during the off season. We we found out exactly what they what meant the, the most to them, and, and we we took that right to the table and uh, accomplished a very productive CBA. For you, how uh, how tough has this been for you, especially in the opening of, of camp when you know the Saturday was quite the day, um, obviously when the CBA was being renegotiated. But for you to be a player rep and also you know you're a player on this team trying to get ready for the season, how, how tough has it been for you? You know, it, it, it has its difficult moments. Um, you know, from a from a personal perspective, this is you know very uh, developing for, for myself, being able to be involved this deep in uh, negotiations in a CBA like this, and with all the kind of situations that happened during it, it was uh, it was it was. In, enjoyable to work through that as a group and as a union and, and to see the, the final outcome of this definitely means a lot um, you know it was it was almost a full-time job at times during the offseason and uh, you know at the end of the day this is the role we step into as player reps and being able to be a part of the bargaining committee uh, you know you're really passionate to be able to uh, you know put your put yourself out there for the whole membership and, and especially uh, you know today being able to tell the guys that the deal was done that's a pretty proud moment for me now it's football now it's football time which
which is what we've all been waiting for. All right, Ryan King, Eskimos uh, labor rep, long snapper for the team. They will host BC on Sunday, 12.30 countdown to kickoff here on 6.30. Jet. The game will start at 2. Looking forward to catching up with this young man when we get back. Jordan Baker, arguably the best athlete in the history of the University of Alberta now with the Edmonton Stingers Basketball Club. They have a home game come up on Friday. He'll let us know what it's been like playing pro in his hometown. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. Mooseheads and Huskies tied 3-3. 7-0-9 left in the third period. Final round Robin game at the Memorial Cup. Red Sox and Blue Jays. Boston up 4-2. That's in the eighth inning. Basketball tomorrow, NBA variety, Raptors in Milwaukee. That best of seven is tied 2-2. Basketball of the CEBL variety, Friday at the Edmonton Expo Center. The Edmonton Stingers will be hosting the Guelph Nighthawks. And I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, one of my all-time favorite guests and one of the all-time greatest athletes we've ever had in this city. From the Edmonton Stingers, it is Jordan Baker. Jordan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. It is nice to catch up with you. Uh, you're on with Reed Wilkins, of course, so it's uh, it's good to connect with you again. But we we haven't spoken since, uh, really had a good chat since, uh, I want to say last summer when I went to your camp and, and, and you hooked me up with Kelly Olenek. That was very kind of you. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's back again this year, so we're excited to... Uh you're running our camp again July 12th to 14th, but I'm sure that's not what you want to talk to me about today. Well, I do want, I do want to get to that a little bit because uh, that's a very important camp that you do, and you're, you're a great example of someone who came up playing you know, minor ball, high school ball in Edmonton, uh, basketball, Alberta, U of A, and, and you know, it's a cliche, but you're given back by, by, by coaching the youngsters. What, what, what do you like about doing that? I mean, do you ever see any, any of yourself in some of these young boys and girls that you coach? Uh, I mean, it's awesome just to be able to give uh, the community some a little bit more structure. Um, you know, everyone's wanting to, to play club basketball and do that kind of thing in the summers. Um, but we, we take the time at our camp. We bring in some, some really talented coaches that come in and, and really work on the fundamentals try to get guys thinking about the right thing so that when they do head off um, on all their different directions, um, you know, whether it's playing school ball, club ball, um, all that kind of stuff, um, they've got some things they can think about, some things they can apply in their game, and hopefully uh, it translates to them playing at the next level. What's the date of the camps? July 12th to 14th, and we're at Strathcona High School this year. Now, are you going to have to miss some of the camp? Because don't the Stingers play that weekend? We play, actually, on July 11th. So oh, that's nice. Thursday night. And then the camp runs Friday through Sunday. So I'm trying to figure it out with uh, the Stingers, um, if we can get some tickets maybe for some of the campers. So um, that's to be determined, but um, it'd be great to have some sort of tie-in between uh, the local pro team and, and my camp. And I know you told it last year, but but I, I do want to uh, refresh it for people. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kelly Olenek uh, plays in the NBA. He's with the Heat. He played at uh, Gonzaga, a very well-known uh, NCAA school, and, and you brought him here last summer, and you're bringing him here again. I mean, this is an NBA player coming to Edmonton to help you run a camp. Tell me a little bit about the relationship with Kelly. Yeah, I mean, we played under-19 national team together, um, and we played against each other going all the way back to under-15 provincial team. So um, it's been a long-standing relationship. Uh, he's obviously a great guy, a great Canadian player who 
spends his summers typically with the national team. So he's able to sneak away. Um, and he runs his own camp in Kamloops back in his hometown. So I've gone out there um, the past four or five years to help him out with his camp. Um, so I, you know, pitched the idea, hey, come on out to Edmonton. We'll put you up and you can help some kids out here. And he jumped at the idea. So um, it's awesome to be able to have him out. He's got a great amount of knowledge, obviously, um, and the kids love it. Um, they love being around him and, and absorbing as much as they can. Thirteenth, uh, or pardon me, uh, yeah, thirteenth overall pick in 2013. Uh, I'm I'm looking some stuff up, but I'm going off the top of my head a little bit, Jordan. So maybe have to help me. Was he? I want to say drafted by Dallas, but never played for them. Is that how it played? Yeah, he was he was traded draft night, I believe, to Boston. Oh, that same day. Never, okay, all right. Yeah, he never really um, settled anywhere except for Boston when he got drafted and traded there. So. Now, when you played with him, I, I mean, look, obviously you're, you're playing on provincial teams and going to national camps, so you knew he was outstanding, as you were, but even you and your colleagues at that time, the guys in the age range, were you thinking, oh, yeah, if one of us is going to make the NBA, it, it's this guy? Like, was he already a, a, you know, at that level where he kind of was standing out even amongst the best in the country? Um, I mean, at the U15 level, we were um, all pretty prepubescent so it was tough to tell who was gonna uh, grow and who was gonna stay the same height essentially but um at the u17 level he was um very dominant and then kind of his grade 11 grade 12 year um he had a huge growth spurt and then all of a sudden he was a seven footer who could shoot threes and handle the basketball and make great plays off the dribble so um it was kind of that last couple of years of high school when it was like okay this guy is gonna do some damage at the division one level and then potentially beyond so well, that's what uh, I, I and 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 look, I I I don't see a lot of the NBA. I mean, you know, obviously the regular season is on the same time as the the hockey regular season. When I'm watching a lot of Oilers games and a lot of hockey, but I've been watching more NBA playoffs because Golden State interests me, and obviously the Raptors are doing well. And I mean, even 20 years ago, Jordan, big guys weren't expected to shoot from the outside. But now you see. I mean, I guess Nowitzki's been doing it for a while, but. I mean, the, the I just think the all-round skill of the pro basketball player is so much more varied than, than it was 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, the game has changed so much. Like, you look at all the analytics that come into it now, and you're more likely to shoot a three just because the points per possession are, are higher when you're shooting threes versus taking mid-range jumpers or throwing the ball into the post. So if you can't shoot the three... It's really limiting your options. You know, you've got to be a crazy athlete, someone like Clint Capella or, you know, Rudy Gobert, who's just going to dominate the lane, or else you've got to be able to stretch the floor. So it's, um, yeah, it's a different it's a different game than it was 20 years ago, but I think it's, uh, it's exciting and it develops a little bit more well-rounded players for sure. Jordan Baker from the Edmonton Stingers joining us on Inside Sports. They have a home game coming up on Friday at 7 at uh, the Expo Center. We're going to give away tickets later this hour. You can also check out thestingers.ca. You guys are 1-2 and two to start the season. i got to ask you about, about the Raptors, and I'm going to have some fun with you here, Jordan. What do you – because you're, you're, you're a very um, – well, I'm going to say stoic, and I'm not saying you don't like to have fun, but when you're doing a court, when you and I would talk, you know, when we, we've been doing interviews for a long time, you, you handle those professionally. So what do you think of Drake being courtside, getting all the attention he does at Raptors games, and then even giving the coach a bit of a shoulder rub yesterday? Um, I mean, 
it's if Nick Nurse is okay with it, then I'm okay with it. I mean, if he feels like he can get Nick back rubs during the game, then so be it. Um, I mean, their practice facility is the OVO practice facility now. I think they've taken it over from BioSteel, so Drake's brand is all over that franchise. And I mean, you look at Steve Ballmer, who sits courtside for the Clippers, and he's up and dancing and jumping around doing all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit different. Um, but kind of that same idea as an, an owner doing the same kind of thing. So, I mean, I think the players probably love it. The opposing players probably hate it. So, right. <laughs> um, I mean, you look, the Raptors were able to get two against the Bucks at home. So I think they're going to take every advantage they can get in this series. All right. Well, let, let me throw this one to you. Most famous person who's ever sat courtside at a game you've played in? Oh, geez. Um... That's a tough question. Um, I've played against some high-profile guys, so I guess they were sitting on the bench at some point, so that doesn't <laughs> count as courtside spectators. Um, I'm not sure. I think uh, Ryder from uh, Hot 107 was at our Stinger's home opener. Does that count? Well, th- yes, he would count, and I used to work <laughs> with him in, in Lloyd Minster at the station there. I won't give away his real name, but he did not go by Ryder. Maybe your mom and dad would be the most famous people that have been courtside at a game. <laughs> yeah. They, they never sit courtside. They're always hiding up at the top. <laughs> They're always hiding up at the top. All right. Well, look, you guys, one and two to start the season. I'm Okay. I mean, look, you, you and I know each other. You know the type of questions I ask. I also know yeah. the type of the questions that you usually don't want to answer or because you're <laughs> such a team guy, but I'm going to ask this anyway. Any significance for you to score the first points in Stinger's history? Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously... Uh, I had to have the opportunity that uh, to start the game, which Barnaby was nice enough to provide to me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Xavier made a great pass, or Akeem made a great pass on the rim, and luckily I didn't blow the layup. So um, yeah, it was special for me to be able to get the first two points, um, and obviously for us to get the first win um, on our home floor a couple weeks ago. For you to play pro in Edmonton to get this opportunity, I mean, you you were a golden bear, and, uh, I mean, we've had you in studio, and you've told your stories about uh, playing in Europe and in Asia, and, 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 I mean, you talked about that awful injury you had uh, a few years ago that sidelined you for a little bit. Now, just to get to play pro in Edmonton, is it kind of like a bit of a pinch-me moment, or how do you look at it? Um, I mean, you were around a few years ago when they had the, the Edmonton Energy and the Edmonton sure. Chill, and they were trying to do that kind of stuff. And that was kind of the same time when I was at U of A playing there. So I was never able to have that opportunity to be a pro in my hometown, play in front of friends and family at the professional level. So for the opportunity to come around again now, when I'm able to take advantage of it, um, it's pretty special. And, you know, that first opening tip-off, uh, a couple weeks ago, May 10th, at our home opener was was a little bit of a special moment for me. Parents were in the crowd. It was a little bit, um, you know, the, the arena was buzzing. It was good, uh, great atmosphere. So for that to happen in Edmonton, um, to see the city embrace us like that in our first game uh, was pretty special. In terms of the team itself, I mentioned one and two out of the gate still early. Uh, you, you've had a close win. You've had a close loss. And, and then, you know, it had a game it looked like it got away from you a little bit of resulting in a loss. How would you sum up the team's play so far? Um, you know, we're still trying to feel each other out. I mean, the training camp was so short. We've got guys coming in, guys leaving, 
um, you know, roster changes all the time. So we're trying to figure each other out on both sides of the basketball. Um, you know, you talk about not gelling offensively. Typically is where you're looking and seeing problems. And I mean, that last game, we didn't break 70 points. You're not going to win too many games like that. But we're trying to get used to each other um, on both sides defensively, just getting a feel for our schemes, feel for how each other plays, the strengths and weaknesses. So, um, you know, we've had a great week of practice this week, so we're expecting uh, definitely a better result come Friday. Okay. Well, Jordan, uh, I, it's always great to have you on the show. we got to try to do this more often because uh, I continue to always love our conversations and your, and your passion for basketball, and I'm, I'm glad you're playing for the Stingers. So, again, I'm going to let people know here, uh, Friday at 7 at the Expo Center, you guys are playing the Guelph Nighthawks, and then I think you're home again the following Friday, aren't you, on the 31st against Saskatchewan? Yeah. Yeah, so. we got a little couple, uh, couple of weeks at home, which is nice. Okay. Jordan, thanks for checking in, man. We'll talk to you soon. All the best. Always appreciate it, Reed. Thanks for having me on. That is Jordan Baker, all-time leader in pretty much every significant category during from his time as the, as the U of A Golden Bears and a great addition to the Edmonton Stingers. Well, you want to see Jordan? I, I, will, I will say this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug Jordan here. Um, and look, I'm just... I, I I hope I don't sound like I'm gushing, but if I if I am, then I am. You can write me a strongly worded letter. You can make me go clean up some pigeon poop off a bridge. Uh, if you have never seen Jordan Baker play, I think you will enjoy it, especially if you are somebody that respects hard work, blue collar type of work, and determination. A lot of times in basketball, Kellen. You hear high score, and you think bombs away. The guy shoots the three. The guy shoots the three, right? The guy hits the jumpers. Right. That's not how Jordan Baker gets his points. Jordan Baker, I mean, you talk about hockey going to the dirty areas. Jordan Baker scores in the dirty areas, and he scores by getting rebounds and keeping plays alive and diving for loose balls and going into double teams and kicking out the teammates and getting to the right spot. That's how he did it at the U of A. That's how he's doing it with the Stingers. So you go to watch a basketball game, you might watch, and if you haven't seen Jordan play, and you might watch the first quarter of the game and think, geez, Wilkins was raving about Baker. Like, he's not that spectacular. And then by the midpoint of the fourth quarter, you'll be like, oh, yeah, Baker. He's always involved. That's what he was like at the U of A. So he, he is a fun guy to watch, and I think if you haven't seen him play, you'll respect the way he plays. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chan Inside Sports. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, who won those tickets? Congrats to Doug. Doug gets the Stingers tickets for Friday, and Mark got the UFC tickets? That's correct, yeah. And I think we have more... UFC tickets tomorrow. That's right. For UFC 240, July 27th at Rogers Place. Uh, good to have uh, Jordan Baker on the show. The Red Sox leading the Blue Jays 4-3 in the top of the ninth. At the Memorial Cup, we had Ruen Noranda beating Halifax 4-3. So we get three teams finishing at two and one. And uh, once they break the ties, Halifax gets to go to the championship game 
Friday's semifinal will be Guelph against Rowan Noranda. So that's the update from the Memorial Cup. The Edmonton Oilers, well, will they hire Dave Tippett? Will it happen soon? He is the front runner for the job. We had Tyson Nash from the Arizona Coyotes broadcast booth on the show earlier had this to say about Tippett. First of all, he's one of the nicest human beings on the planet. I mean, this guy is just all class. Uh, I mean, he was really, you know, one of the, the first coaches that I saw that started to really put in the time. I mean, every time you walk by him on the plane, it's the middle of the night, and he's got his computer cracked open, and he's going over a video. He's marking stuff down. It never ended. It, it really didn't. And, uh, you know, that's when I think things really started to evolve for assistant coaches and head coaches where no stone was unturned. I mean, you, you typically, I mean, when I first came in the league, it's like they'd hardly look at video. I mean, it was VHS. I mean, you just didn't have that at your, your fingertips. And uh, Dave Tippett is, is a guy you said I mean, he squeezed everything he could uh, and more out of this Coyotes team. They were in bankruptcy all those years. Um, so it does not surprise me that he's up uh, for that coaching job in Edmonton. I talked to him not too long ago at Shane Doan's retirement. I know he was getting the itch. Uh, I know he's really enjoyed what he's been doing there in Seattle and, and building that franchise from the ground up, literally. Um, but I think when, you, when you're coaching, it, it's in you. It's in his blood, and, uh, and he definitely misses it. And I think he sees an opportunity there in Edmonton. He's like, let me get my hands on that team, and, and he will get the most out of that group. There's no question about it. He'll be great for the foot soldiers. He'll be great for a guy like Lucci, Cassian, and those guys. Um, you know, I think the big thing with Tip is that he evolves. He learns. He figures things out. And you can't – a lot of coaches are stubborn, and they don't want to – they have their, their way, and, and that's it. And I think Tip has always been a guy that, um, you know, has studied the game and learned how to get the most out of, out of people and personalities. And I think he'd be a real good fit there at Edmonton. A little bit there from Tyson Nash. You can get the full interview by going to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. Great to be back. More tomorrow. Kelly Rudy will join us. Oh, and champion boxer Jelena Mergenovic scheduled to join us in studio. She has a bout coming up in Edmonton. Oh, uh, heck, in uh, in a month. In a month. That's going to be great. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. Latest on the Eskimos tomorrow in Inside Sports as well. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.